morning, Trinity Lutheran Church. Nice to see you here this morning. Welcome to all those folks online out there. We have a wonderful morning for you this morning, this 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Um, lots of music. We're going to talk about power a little bit this morning. Pastor Tom is going to preach for us, and we have some special and wonderful musical guests, David and Maddie Harsh, who will be playing and singing for you this morning. So we're glad that you are here. Welcome. And this is uh, sort of a couple of songs here at the, at the start. Um, after Sheila's prelude, if you want to lead me to Jesus, and then a little Psalm 19 after that. sound so sincere your intentions are good forgiveness of sin life without end I'd believe it if I could but I've watched from afar and I've seen how you are with the people you're around and I don't see a trace of the love and the grace you talk so much about if you want to lead me to Jesus, you better find a better way. Cause your life is speaking so loud, I can't even hear a word you say. If winning the duel is your golden rule, no matter the cost, well, you may win the day, but the price you is the greater war that's lost you would not believe how different it seems from the outside looking in but the louder you shout the more I tune out and the less I am convinced if you want to lead me to Jesus you'd better find a better way cause your life is speaking so loud, I can't even hear a word you say. I want to believe, but I'm going to need you to work with me. Acceptable in your house, oh God. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your house, O God. Your law is perfect, reviving our souls. Your commandments are clear, enlightening our hearts. And my ways through all my days be guided by you, O oh God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your house, O oh God. Let the of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your house, O God, O God. Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. Good to have you here this morning. Welcome to all those who are online today. And I've got good news, good news, good news. We're just getting started. The morning has just started, and I've got really good news. Maddie Harsh, who we invited to come sing for us today, brought her dad, David. So Maddie, thank you for bringing your dad. We appreciate that. It's an upgrade from last time when he was here by himself, so we're so happy to have you with us. David Harsh, Maddie, they're from Marysville. They've been with us before, pre-pandemic, uh, a beautiful ministry of music. And you're going to call us to worship, I think, at this time. Let's welcome David and Maddie. Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you.
invite you to stand. Gather together to worship. We worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everything's projected for you this morning, our gathering hymn, an important hymn for us as we, God welcomes us and we welcome each other, a dazzling bouquet.
We continue with our first prayer of the morning. The first prayer of the morning is a sung prayer. Curie, eleison, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on us. Praise, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. be with you. Let us pray. Merciful Lord God, we want to see you. We long to come into your gracious presence, to experience your hospitality, to have our eyes opened, 
that we might be your hands and feet in the world, that we might lift you up through service by washing feet, loving, forgiving, and welcoming every prodigal daughter, tax collector, and bum, every saint and sinner, everyone welcome, everyone equal. Send now your Holy Spirit that we might leave this place of worship inspired for service. We pray in the name that is above all others, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Wow, that was enthusiastic. <laughs> Eight o'clock in the morning, not bad. The first lesson today is from Philippians, the second chapter, verses 3 through 11. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. <clears throat> and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God. As I look into the past, there are faces I recall, tender hands that offer peace, they reach into my life, they soothe my soul. There's a hope within their eyes that this world could never give. And the words they say are kind They fill my life with truths They lead me home They're a part of who I am today And if I listen I can still hear them say Join with me in the mystery play a part as we carry his heart soon we'll be as a family but there's work to be done while we're standing on this side of heaven 
As we live what we believe, we can listen for His voice, and we discover what it means to look beyond this earth to glimpse our home. Though we may not see them now, there are lives that we have touched, but one day all will be revealed. When we're standing face to face, we'll see His plan. In His kingdom we will all rejoice. Until that moment we'll proclaim with one voice, singing join with me in the mystery. We each play a part as we carry His heart. Soon we'll be as a family, but there's work to be done while we're standing on this side of heaven. We wait for His kingdom every day. His legacy lives in these jars of clay. We're declaring His love throughout the land. And together we stand, singing join with me in the mystery. We each play a part as we carry His heart. Soon we'll be as a family. But there's work to be done while we're standing on this side of heaven. Good morning. God is good all the time. Amen. God is good. So I'm thinking, how can you go on without your glasses? Yeah, I don't have an idea what you're doing here. <laughs> kind of waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up, you know. I remember once preaching, and we had guests from Zion Baptist Church worshiping with us. And, you know, they do a lot of talking back and forth, those Baptists, you know. And I, amen is right. Yeah, appreciate it. And I remember the one woman that was sitting out there saw me standing here waiting for something, and she said, oh, Lord, don't leave that man alone. Do not leave that man alone. So we have to start with a story about Oli. Don't sneer, don't laugh. It's going somewhere, okay? So he wanted to be a businessman, but his business plan was not working out. He set up a fruit stand, he bought watermelons for 50 cents a piece, you know the story, and sold them two for a dollar and couldn't figure out why he wasn't making any money. <laughs> and so he called Sven because Sven had a reputation for being a business analyst and uh, Sven spent three weeks studying his, his whole operation. He came back with a recommendation that Oli needed to buy a bigger truck. <laughs> now. The year, I think, was 1978. 
maybe it was 76, but it was the National Convention for the American Lutheran Church Canadian District. At that time, when I was pastoring up there in the prairies, there was no independent Canadian Lutheran Church. We were the American Lutheran Church Canadian District. That's a large district. So anyways, it was convention. It was convention time. And it was the most unique thing. We were in Brandon, Manitoba. Raise your hand if you've been to Brandon, Manitoba. None of you. I did not surprised. I've been to Brandon, Manitoba. Anyways, for three and a half days, everyone who came to the lectern, whether it was to offer a resolution, it was to give a business report, whatever it was, whoever came to this spot began with the same nine words. Have you heard the one about Svaninoli? Now, I have no idea what was in the water or what was about that, but it was like this plague of one-upmanship had swept through this normally upright and staid population of Scandinavian farmers and clergy. So it went for three days until we were taken to the woodshed. Near the conclusion of our time together, a very senior, well-known pastor stood before this less-than-auspicious community and said to them, have you gone blind? What is the matter with you that you would reduce yourself to this kind of sordid humor? And what he did was, he quoted, he quoted Luther. He quoted, you know, pastors are supposed to do that, pastor. And so, so here he was, he quoting the meaning, Luther's meaning to the fifth commandment. And you know that one, you're not supposed to kill. That's a little clue. And so, you know, we are to fear, love, and trust God so that in all things we do not destroy that person's life, that person's identity, that person's personality. And he went on and on and on. And everyone in that body just, just kind of sunk lower and lower into the seat as we all kind of wondered, what had we done to warrant such a response from this rather respected pastor. As he was getting ready to leave, he came back and he said, look, if that's the only kind of humor you can tell, ethnic humor, then tell it on the Hittites. They're dead people. There's not a Hittite alive anywhere. So tell the story about Hittites. And as he walked off, he said, have you heard the one about the two Hittites, Oli and Sven? <laughs> now, we had been had, absolutely had, but there was a line. Have you all gone blind? Isn't it interesting how, though, in life, there is a phrase, there is a moment that just becomes embedded in our psyche that we tend to run a lot of life experiences through. Have you gone blind? So as I read the gospel lesson, and I invite you to please remain seated, as I read the gospel lesson for us, I would encourage you to take this into account. There's a picture here. While I read the gospel, you can ponder what this means, okay? The reading is from Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning with the ninth verse. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that you, I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. The text just seems so obvious, doesn't it? I mean, it's not hard to drop sides on this one. On one side, we have the Pharisee, confident in his righteousness, and we have a tax collector so overcome by his lack of righteousness, he cannot even enter the temple itself. He stands out in the courtyard, beating his breast, banging his head against the wall. Oh, God, forgive me, a sinner. So it just seems so clearly obvious, doesn't it, as we draw up teams, which we're always doing. We're always dividing. We're always drawing up teams. Clearly, we know who the winner is and who the loser is. For the record, the Pharisee was probably a good guy, respected for having chosen a very difficult and stringent religious life, where every decision he made was made under the microscope for public scrutiny. His life choice was to bring glory to God by following every minutia nuance of the Mosaic law to its fullest. That's called piety. Lutherans have piety. Lots of religions have piety. How do you say your prayers? How do you do it? How do you discipline? We practice acts of piety. Every one of us do in some measure. His was rather a stringent menu of piety. Consequently, every decision that he would see someone else would make that was in contrary to the Mosaic law would be an affront to God, to God's glory. So his motivation would have been to live a life pleasing to God. He went up to the temple to pray, undoubtedly wearing his talit, which is a prayer shawl with ten fringes representative of the Ten Commandments. His adherence to the ritual followed precisely would have given this Pharisee confidence, confidence in his righteousness. Now, let me ask you. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're a plumber. I don't care if you're a homemaker. I don't care. If you do it right, you say to yourself, I did it right. Believe me, if you're a surgeon and you just did surgery on someone, you want to be able to say, I did it right. You don't want to say, oops. We don't want to say that. So this, this Pharisee was just simply saying the truth. He said, I've done it right. The tax collector was, in two words, pond slime. He had no righteousness. He turned on his neighbors, his family, to, turned, turned over on his family to serve the faithless Romans who slaughtered Jews if they just got in their way. So he made his money by marking up the taxes and collecting from his own family, his neighbors. He was pond slime. And no one would have chosen to hang out with him. He was utterly devoid of righteousness. He turned on everyone. The Pharisee went up the mountain to the temple. Now pay attention. He went up the mountain temple righteous. 
the Pharisee went down the Temple Mountain righteous. The tax collector went up the Temple Mountain with no righteousness. He went down the Temple Mountain with no righteousness. But he went justified before God. That's the phrase, justified before God. That is, he left unburdened. You have to understand how slack-jawed that would have left his neighbors, or would have left his audience who was listening to him. He left unburdened. And it wasn't righteous. He left unburdened by his sin, his brokenness. This gospel is a trap. Because the moment we take sides, invariably we will find Jesus maybe on the other side. Because remember, Jesus came for the least, last, lost, and the dead. And at some point, that's precisely where the Pharisee will find himself. So how does a person of faith navigate righteous living? How do we do it? Because this looks like what we call a double bind. No matter which side we choose, we run the risk of being wrong. Or we succumb to what is the greatest temptation in life. We gather power to justify our position, to justify who we are and the decisions we have made. That becomes the greatest temptation in life. Power. How do we exercise and live with that? This is most life's most consistent and troubling problem. This is a teaching this morning fundamentally about power. Power is the ultimate temptation which we can most easily and regularly see abused by our political and religious institutions. That's easy, we can see that. It can be as overt and ugly as Russia invading Ukraine. And it's ugly. And my poor Brenda, who was Ukrainian, suffered with that in her mind as she bore that before her death. That was a horrible thing for her. So it can be as overt as a Russian invading Ukraine, or it can be as subtle as a pastor making fun of TV evangelists. See, I used to be pretty good at that. I was kind of the showstopper sometimes among other clergy. I could do a great Ernst Ainsley impersonation. I don't know if you even know who he is. Back in the 70s, he was a televangelist, and his shtick was healing. And there would be people standing behind, catching everyone that he would slay in the spirit, who would come to be healed. I used to do a great Ernst Ainsley. I, I mean, the toupee, the, it was a bad rug he wore. It was really bad. But I could, he showed up one night on the Johnny Carson show. What in the world is going on here? Talk about two fish that look out of water. They both did. Johnny Carson, he asked him, he asked him, he says, now what's that thing you do when you lay your hand on people and they, they fall over? What is that all about? So he explained to him. He says, I'm, I'm a minister of the Church of Christ, and the Holy Spirit works through me, and I heal people. They come here, and I, I lay my hand on them, and they're filled with the Spirit, and they're healed. I'll show you, Johnny, how it works. I'm going to lay my hand on you, and, you, and Johnny says, mm -mm, nope, mm -mm, no, no, not going to happen. No, thank you very much. Not interested. They broke their commercial when they came back. He wasn't there. <laughs> Ernst was gone. 
Or I could do a Jimmy Swaggart sitting at the piano vamping, looking at the camera. I could never get the tears down, though. I couldn't, I couldn't get the tears, the Jimmy Swaggart tears down. And see, he'd sit there playing. He'd look in the camera. He'd say, the Lord just spoke to me. The Lord just spoke to me right now and told me that there's someone out there right now, a widow, who's got $10 stuck in a coffee can, and you're supposed to go get it and mail it to Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. And at that moment, 10,000 women across the nation were mad at Jesus because he narked on them, and they all had to go to the coffee can and get the money and send it in. Well, you know what? That was me standing at the temple pointing my finger and squeezing my nose, saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. What an arrogant. My self-righteousness might have deluded me with some sense of power in that moment, but when I look back on that, it's just really embarrassing. So unlike the Pharisee, we find our righteousness not in our deeds. We, no matter how selfless our deeds are, that's not where we find our righteousness. Our righteousness is found in the person of Christ. Christ is our righteousness. God doesn't look at us in judgment. He looks at Jesus. Did you hear the words that were read so well by Sharon, from Philippians? Though he was of the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he took the very nature of a servant, humbled himself, and became obedient even unto death on the cross. And this last line, therefore, God has exalted him. Not us. God has exalted him. Jesus is our righteousness. Amen? This is our, our good news. It's sometimes called vicarious atonement or vicarious. Our righteousness is found vicariously through Jesus. Following Jesus, we practice a theology that deals in contrition as opposed to contempt. We believe in God's standard of grace that justifies us and believe that by the power of Christ's spirit, we defeat our enemies by making them our friends. That last line was from Abraham Lincoln. In what can seem like a battle of our own blindness, have we gone blind to how we use power, around our use of power? Father Martin Luther offers us words of encouragement in his meaning to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. Now, the thing that's interesting as I share these words with you is I do not know why they became so important to me and they become just branded in my brain. And everything has to pass through this filter. I don't, I don't know. I know I wasn't in confirmation because my confirming pastor says he never signed my confirmation certificate. <laughs> Jerk. Anyways. Sorry. Sorry. So here's what Martin Luther says in, in his in his meaning to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe that I cannot by my own understanding or effort 
Effort translates power. I believe that I cannot, by my own understanding or power, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. I am utterly dependent on the Spirit of Christ to drag me, drag me into a life of faith. There is nothing that I'm bringing. I believe that I cannot, by my own understanding, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. What's the gospel? The story of Christ's cross. The Holy Spirit has dragged me through that story, not through anyone's righteousness, not through anyone's good deeds, not through any of that other stuff, but he's dragged us through Christ's righteousness into this one story that Jesus died on the cross for us all. He enlightened us with his gifts. That is, we have been gifted with faith. And it is that faith that drives us to change the course of history for eternity. To go out in the world, as Pastor Jim says all the time, we have been blessed to be a blessing. That's what it is. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that come to us through faith that drives us out there to do that. It's also sanctified and kept us in the one true faith. What's the one true faith? The one true faith is that Jesus is our righteousness. And we are the beneficiaries of his spirit, dragging us into a faith despite our sin and our brokenness or our blindness. We come to this confession only by the power of God's love for us. And we experience that through Christ's Spirit. It is the only reason you and I are here today. The only reason. It's not by any power of our own, but it's by the power of Christ's Spirit that brings us to this. And that's the good news for us today. It never was dependent on us. Thanks be to God, because we would have messed it up. But it is Christ who is doing it in us. God is good. All the time. Amen. Amen. Stand for our hymn of the day, uh, Healer over Every Ill. Thank you. 
We're going to invite the congregation to be seated, and Cheryl's going to come forward and lead us in the prayers. We have a sung response. Uh, each prayer will end through your gracious mercy, and we have a sung response. We'll sing that once, and then after each petition, let us pray. and healing, we humbly pray for the church, the world, and for all those in need. <clears throat> o gracious God, grant us the will to challenge all people across this planet to work together to achieve the health of our earth. We pray especially for safe water to drink, clean air to breathe, safety from natural disasters, and the vision to help save this place for future generations. <clears throat> Through your gracious mercy, God, grant us the will to challenge all leaders in governments throughout the world to use their power wisely and to work together so we might live in unity and allow the will and prosperity of the people to be the foremost concern. We pray especially for Ukraine the United Kingdom, Myanmar, Iran, Nicaragua, the United States, Afghanistan, North Korea, and all societies where oppressive impulses threaten or already hold sway through your gracious mercy. suffering or in grief in any part of life as you grant comfort and care for those who serve others we offer now out loud or to ourselves the names of those who are in need
gracious mercy. God, we give thanks for our many blessings. Give us the servant heart and mind of Jesus, not to seek gain or advantage for ourselves, but to lift up and heal your people. Guide leaders near and far to recognize the sacred worth of all of your children. Through your gracious mercy. Trusting in your mercy and grace. We bring these prayers to you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cheryl. It's with a great joy today that as a congregation we're going to be welcoming at uh, both services, 13 new members. Uh, they'll be at one service or the other. So our family is growing, and we give thanks for that in so many ways. I'd like to invite uh, those new members to come forward. Uh, as I read your name, come gather around the font. Janice Brockway, Janice Gibson, Jamie Huden, Hunt Mashman, Lynn and Don Scriven, Kay Rodriguez Sider, Come right around the back here of the baptismal font, if you would. Uh, Kay and Roger Atwood, Jesse and Sandy March, Natalia Stroganoff, Alex Wozniak. So come on up. Uh, the rest of them are coming to the next service. Uh, why don't all of you take one of these, because at one point you're going to need it in this little hazing operation that is called <laughs> Welcome to New Membership. Uh, it's not really too difficult. but. Um, we're, we are so happy to have you here. We're just thrilled uh, to have you standing at this little Jordan River. Uh, this is a place of new beginnings, and this is a church of new beginnings. Uh, the young and the old are baptized here. Teenagers affirm their baptisms here. Young couples exchange sacred vows here and head off to decades of life together. Uh, servants are sent out from here on mission trips and pilgrimages. They all leave from this baptismal font. In this place, we declare our intention to follow Jesus Christ in our lives, who is the master of second chances and new beginnings, to follow Jesus and to unite with this congregation, these folks, in worship and service. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians. Now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all of us. Now, to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's what it's about. 
a variety of gifts. Each of you have unique gifts. We're going to help you to recognize those if you don't. Each of you have unique gifts. You also have unique experiences, life experiences, perspectives. You come from other denominations and other faith perspectives, and we value that, and we give thanks for that. We do not in any way seek conformity of thought or practice at Trinity Lutheran Church. We simply all commit to following Jesus Christ together, working together for the common good, as that expresses itself most intimately in worship and as we go out those doors to service. Now, before you, you have um, the, your profession of faith. And really what's going on, this is in a, some ways not any different than when you come forward to receive Holy Communion and you touch these waters. In a sense, every time you do that, you're renewing your baptism. But now you are renewing your baptism in the midst of this family and becoming a part of this family. So I ask you to profess your faith in Christ Jesus, to reject sin and confess the faith of the church. I ask you, do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God? Do you renounce the ways of sin that draw you from God? Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. You have made, a, uh, we've heard your profession of faith, and now I ask you. These are the same vows that our uh, confirmands take as they uh, affirm their baptisms at 13 or 14. You have made public profession of your faith. Do you intend to continue in the covenant that God made with you in holy baptism? What does that mean? To live among God's faithful people, to hear God's word, and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. If that is your intention, say together, I do, and I ask God to help and guide me. Very good. Now, come on over. Get around the water here. Go ahead, touch the water. Make the sign of the cross on your forehead. And I'd ask the congregation to hold the hand up as we pray for these folks. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for calling us together to be a part of the church. And we give you thanks for these, our new sisters and brothers in the faith. We pray that you would open our hearts to their lives. That we would include them in our circles, social circles, our coffee clatches, our workplaces, and our lives. We pray a blessing upon them and a blessing upon this congregation as we work together for the common good of all people. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to put Trinity crosses on you. 
So you're standing where everyone around you has stood at one point, becoming members of this church at the baptismal font. And uh, so I put this cross on you. Wear it to church. Wear it to pay less. <laughs> wear it on the ferry. And wear it hunting. Fishing. And it's really the cross. It's a very simple cross. It's the cross of simple servanthood, service here in this place, in your families, and in the world. All right. And now I'd ask the congregation to stand up, and let's welcome them by singing Jesus Loves Me. That's what we do with those who are newly baptized, right? Now we're going to put you to work. Look out at the new family and say, the peace of the Lord be with you. Go ahead. Share a sound of peace and greeting with one another. Thank you for sharing that greeting of peace. Thank you for sharing that greeting of peace. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. Read those very carefully. After the service, come on over to the gym for coffee, cookies, uh, conversation, uh, you can pick up CDs uh, in the gym as well uh, from uh, David. Maddie on those CDs too as well? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, but come over and you can come over and get CDs. Also, uh, the women of the church have our Quilters Bazaar. So um, I was already in there buying some sweet stuff before you arrived this morning. But, uh, so you might want to get in there and look at the quilts and buy some sweet stuff and, 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 and just talk to the women who are in there who do ministry all year long making quilts. Those quilts end up all over the world, literally all over the world, through Lutheran World Relief, and we give thanks for that. Any, any of the funds that they raise all goes to Lutheran World Relief. So uh, really a good thing to, uh, uh, to support today. Um, if I have this right, 1994, uh, Sioux City, Iowa, Lutheran Church, Eldon Rieke, Pastor Eldon Rieke, these two young, this young couple right here, 28 years today uh, for Diane and Dale Anderson. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. 
Love you both, and thanks for the flowers uh, in celebration of that uh, uh, anniversary. Uh, we're saying goodbye today, too, to Marty Matthews. Marty's been with us like 30 years, and he's moving to Camino Island, right, Marty? Yeah, but Marty promises me he'll come back and visit. Uh, but Marty has uh, been uh, served in so many different hats here. He's ushered forever, and he's been in the endowment committee, and uh, um, he was a, a, one of our... Uh, tech gurus for years. So Marty, our love to you. Carol, Michael, blessings on your uh, your journey. The next part of the journey, and do please come back and see us. Uh, this afternoon, 3 o'clock, come back. David Harsh, Maddie, you're singing too. They're going to be together uh, and you uh, are in concert, so come back um, and uh, see them. Whitney will be here too, I'm sure. No? Oh, she's not here today. Okay, well, come back and see them 3 o'clock. And then after that, if you want to bring a pumpkin pie when you come, bring a pumpkin pie. There's going to be a pumpkin pie feed in the gym. Talk to Laura Camby if you'd like more information uh, on that this morning. So, Deacon Amy. Good morning. See, after worship, uh, take a look at the quilts, grab a uh, treat, and head on down the hall. Adult education meets at 9.15 in the fireside room every Sunday morning. Uh, this morning, we're beginning looking at the Bible Project, a really interesting online resource and project um, with lots of great information there. So that starts this morning at 9.15 down the hall of the fireside room. Uh, new updated orange sheet with all of the events for children, youth, and families here at Trinity. Lots of good things going on. Sunday school at 10.30, and then high school and middle school kids are getting together after second service for a time of service, working on projects around the church building today. Um, so do take a look, see what's going on. And a big thank you to everybody who came out last Thursday night. We had a fantastic time, a great dinner, and carved and decorated pumpkins together. A lot of fun. We had 25, 30 people here in the gym from families of all ages, and was wonderful, so we look forward to getting together again on the third Thursday next month. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Amy. Okay, let me ask a question. How's your 401k? It's been brutal, hasn't it, this year? Uh, our endowment committee met a week ago on Thursday, and they said it's a down year, it's a bad year. Uh, we already gave the church council money in the spring, but we're trusting God in this. And they released money to the church council. And this past week, uh, in the past week, we've written checks. $5,000 for ELCA disaster relief. Uh, some goes to Florida. Some goes wherever disasters are in the world. The ELCA is there. $5,000 to ELCA disaster relief. And along those same lines, $5,000 to ELCA world hunger. We sent all this money has already left our church from last Sunday. Uh, $5,000 for that. $5,000 to Eat, uh, Lutheran Community Services Northwest. Uh, they're here in Seattle and Tacoma. They're helping with refugee resettlement. They've got 1,200 Ukrainian re uh, refugees, asylum seekers coming in to our area, and they're helping them. We're sending them $5,000. It's already there. And then uh, World Central Kitchen, which is feeding people all over the world in the midst of crisis, $5,000 there. That's $20,000 uh, that we sent out this week on your behalf. How can we do it? This is all endowment money. comes from the endowment. So thanks to our donors there. Thanks to our endowment. Thanks to our church council. This is what your church is about. So when people ask you, what's your church about? You tell them what your church is about. We don't uh, just uh, come together to worship. We actually change the community and the world. So I thank you all for your generosity. We're going to move now uh, to prayer. 
We're going to pray together as Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. We're going to sing the Lord's Prayer as Carl has put it to music for us. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, as you prepare to leave this place of worship, I would encourage you to go out those doors and find your place of service, your unique place of ministry in this world. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our sending hymn, get that little light out, this little light of mine.